0: Well, good morning and welcome to uh, our worship service. I want to begin with what has been our fighter verse of the week. As a church family, we uh, focus on a particular passage of Scripture, and this week it has been Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5, so appropriate as we gather together to exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is what that passage of Scripture says. Enter his gates with Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. I love everything that that passage of scripture says to us as his people, as we are gathered together today to worship. In particular, I want to highlight four words. The Lord is good. Let's start there together. Now, I know a little bit different for us this morning as we, the people of God, are gathered, uh, not in one particular place, but gathered throughout this area. But even so, I want the Lord to hear His people at Calvary make this declaration together. The Lord is good. So I'm going to count to three, and wherever you happen to be, I want you to say that with me. The Lord is good. So the Lord can hear us say it. One, two, three. The Lord is good. Well, welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are gathered for worship. Right from the get go, I want you where you are to purpose to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I know it's a little bit different, and uh, we might be accustomed to when we look at a screen or we're watching on a screen to be maybe passive or to be a spectator, as it were. But I'm going to ask you to participate. When we pray, where you are, you pray. When we sing, where you are, you sing. And have your Bible ready to go. Again, the church is not a place. We are a people, and we are a people, though gathered in many different places this morning, we're gathered together to worship. We are gathered to bless his name together. Now, again, I know this is different uh, than what we are used to, but uh, we want to make this uh, a season in our church family where we're actually growing closer together uh, than maybe we ever have before. And so I'm going to ask you to do a little something to help that happen. Uh, I'm praying again and again that in this season, it is evident how much we really do love each other. Uh, So here, uh, uh, we typically, if we were all gathered here together, uh, one of the first things we do as a church family is we have a time of what we call a greeting, Uh, and that's when we all speak to one another and welcome each other. Obviously, that's not quite possible to do today, so here's what I want you to do. Particularly if you're watching us on Facebook Live, you're going to be able to uh, to do this in a moment. Taking a cue from Psalm 100, our fighter verse of entering His courts with thanksgiving, uh, and uh, or entering His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. I want you in the comments section to give a praise of thanksgiving to the Lord. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and as soon as I pray, uh, I want you to do that. You might also want to snap a picture, maybe, and post that if, if that would be a good idea, uh, depending on where you are. I, I kind of want to see if I'm the only one wearing a tie this morning. So, you, you, you post a picture. So, it's really helpful for us just to see each other. Uh, one of the things that's obviously evident is um, how precious it is when we are able to gather together. I, I think it's going to be true, whatever may come. We'll never again take for granted the privilege it is to really gather together. And with that said, a second thing I want you to do, I've brought mine. You might not have yours right by your side, but here is the most recent church directory. So in addition to posting some praises and some praises of Thanksgiving there online, what I want you to do is at the back where all the names are listed, I want you to find your name. You don't have to do this right now. You can do this later. I want you to find your name and once you find your name I want you to look at whoever's listed directly below you alphabetically and that is who you are assigned to pray for in the coming week but not just to pray for what I also want you to do is I want you to call that person or that family on the phone and uh, talk to them so if this works right Uh, you will make a phone call and you'll receive a phone call. Some of you are going to call members of your own family. That's how it's going to work alphabetically. We'll do this a little bit different each week, but this week, that's what I want you to to do. You pray for them, and then I am going to ask you to call them. Don't just text them or Facebook message. I want them to hear your voice. I want you to hear their voice. I just want you to check in uh, with each other and have uh, that conversation. Now, if you're watching us and not in our directory, here's your invitation. I want you to go to our website. It's cbcrmnc.com and scroll down to the bottom. You'll see an email address. I simply want you to email your name. If you have a particular prayer request, you can write that out and you know that the pastors of this church will pray for you by name this week. I want us to enter this week knowing that we're being prayed for and also knowing a particular person by name or family that we can be praying for. Four. So we're going to make the most of these unique days. I know it's been some week. Uh, one of the things we're learning is how important our relationships are together. So again, I'm going to pray right now. If you want to begin posting those praises of Thanksgiving, you do that. And again, as we sing, you sing. We're going to offer our prayers and our praises unto the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And because of Jesus, we can enter your gates with thanksgiving. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We can praise you that Jesus, our King, is alive. We have 10,000 reasons and more so to bless your holy name. Because of Jesus, we're able to say it is well. We have blessed assurance. So you glorify yourself through this worship service. And we pray that everything we do points to that fact that our hope is in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Hey, church family. Just wanted to share with you real quick, too. Um, thank you for all of you who donated, who brought food to be donated to Peacemakers this week or who gave financially. Um, I had the gift of delivering all the donations to peacemakers on Thursday afternoon that we had received up until that point. And when I got there, the lady shared with me that they had already been able to, that morning, to deliver 75 boxes of food to 75 different families. So please know that your gifts uh, really are being used and very much appreciated. So I just wanted to share that bit of good news with you and also invite you to worship with us now as we sing 10,000 Reasons. Sing like this. holy name bless the lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his holy E His goodness, lost in His love, this is my stone.
0: Um, uh, every precious promise of scripture and every song that we love has has become a little bit or maybe a lot (laughs) more uh, precious uh, this week. Well uh, again at this time typically uh, we would have our offering and again obviously we're going to do that differently than uh, we've done it in the past, and so uh, in a moment, I'm going to pray as we have a time for offering, uh, but I want to talk to you about that for just a, a moment. There are three ways that you can give an offering as, as part of our church family, and then there are three things that you can give to. So uh, I want to begin with the three different things you can give to. The first is our ongoing Annie Armstrong Easter Offering Uh, It has never been more apparent that we live in a time where the gospel is so urgently needed in North America. So we're going to continue to give uh, generously to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Second, uh, we're inviting you to give uh, so that we can serve ongoing needs right here in our own uh, community. And then third, of course, you can give your regular tithes and offering. So those are the three uh, things to give to, and then there are three ways that you can give. As of right now, uh, you're still invited to come to the church if you would want to do that, and our foyer is an area set up specifically for offering, and there is a designated place in the foyer for each of those three things we uh, mentioned. Second, uh, if you would prefer to mail an offering in, you can do that. Mail that here to uh, the church and just designate which of those three things you want to uh, to give to. And then third is you can now go to our website and give online. And it's uh, very user-friendly. You'll see that right there on the homepage. But as I've been praying about our offering, I also want to uh, read this scripture because this is the other thing I'm going to invite you to offer um, at this time Romans chapter 12 verse 1 the word of God says I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship one of my very favorite things to do particularly when my children were uh little some of them still are of course uh, is to pray with them at uh bedtime And the way that I would do that uh, is is in large part in response to the passage that I just read, that the Lord is glorified when we offer him our bodies unto him. Uh, And so I would pray something along these lines with my children. Father, let their eyes be fixed on you. Let their ears be attentive to your word. Let their minds be think about holy things. Father, let their mouth be used to build up others. Let their hands be quick to serve. Let their feet be eager to take the gospel forth. And may their heart be fixed on you. In other words, may they offer themselves to the Lord. Now, I want to encourage you that the most reasonable, faithful people in the world right now ought to be those who believe in Jesus. The most reasonable, faithful, and steadfast people on planet earth right now ought to be those who have entrusted their soul to the Lord. So let's pray in light of this, that we would present ourselves to the Lord. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. That we give and we offer in response to how you have given and offered to us. You did not spare your only son, but graciously gave him up for us. So in response to how you have given to us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that in these days we will not shrink back from generosity, self-sacrifice. Let your reasonableness be known to all, for the Lord is at hand. Romans 12 says, says that. And Father, we pray that our eyes are fixed on you. Our ears are attentive to your word. Our mouths speak words of grace and kindness, whether we're at the grocery store or we're at work or we're at home with our own families. Lord, I pray that this is a season when we're growing increasingly gentle and patient, not more irritable, anxious, or angry. Father, you use this season for our sanctification and that you would remove and tear down some idols that need to be removed and torn down and that more than ever before, we have set our hearts on Jesus because more than ever before, we love Him above all things. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When peace
2: lies. 10. Yeah. show.
0: May it be so that he would return soon. How good of the Lord to have us together as a church family this morning in Mark uh, chapter 6 verses 45 through 52. Mark chapter 6 verses 45 through 52 is our uh, text this morning. Uh, and again, I'm going to invite you wherever you happen to be. This is what we do when we're together as a church family. So if it's possible where you are, I want you to stand for the reading of God's word. So here's Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 45. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And when he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them, about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea." He meant to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But he immediately spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. They were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus, King Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Now, Father, we pray That you'd use this passage. First of all, I I just simply thank you that this is our passage for today. Uh, That is, we're reminded your word is so very sufficient and so very good. So give us the word that we need for our souls from your word. We look to you and ask you to speak truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love the Lord Jesus Christ I don't know about you, but, but again, uh, his word has been more alive and active in my heart this week than maybe ever before. This morning's passage gives us a number of reasons why we should love him with all our heart, all, all of our soul, all of our mind, in all of our strength. So church family, I am going to encourage you in this season that you set your hearts to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Above all things in these days, you set your heart to love him. Now weeks ago, as a church family, the Holy Spirit began stirring something deeply within us, and we talked often about the great need that we have for revival. And you'll remember this, church family, not a revival of hype, not a revival where we try to stir up excitement. We pray together that God would grant us a revival that is holy and that is sober. Revival is when we, as his people, return to the Lord Jesus Christ as our first and greatest love so often in 2020 we have said this everything in your life that can be shaken will be shaken but Christ is unshakable we have been studying together through the gospel of mark and we've seen that jesus he is greater he is greater than disaster. He is greater than demons. He is greater than disease. And he is greater than death itself. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to use this passage this morning to help us to see and love the Lord Jesus Christ, who is utterly unshakable. I've got two points from Mark 6, and here's the first one. Jesus sends them into the storm. Jesus sends them into the storm. We know from this passage that the disciples, they find themselves in a very difficult situation. It's the middle of the night, and they're trying to make progress in the boat to get to the other side of the sea, but they're not making any progress. It's three o'clock in the morning and they're physically exhausted. The, The passage says, They saw that they were making headway, or He saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Verse 48 About the fourth watch of the night, He came to them. So as the storm around them rages, As the wind blows against them, I'm sure they're frazzled. They're anxious. They're irritable. They're confused. They're frustrated. And and you might relate very well to that description right this very moment. So let me ask you a question How did they get into that situation? Was it Peter's idea? Did Peter say, hey, let's get in the boat and go to the other side? Was it James or John? What does the scripture tell us? Mark 6, verse 45. Immediately, he, Jesus, made his disciples, the very people he loves, the very people he's called to himself, the very people he's transforming their hearts, he made them get into the boat to go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. How did they get into the situation? Well, if you read this passage carefully, look at the verb in verse 45. Immediately, kind of urgently, he, here's the word, made his disciples get into the boat. It was his purpose... And it was his plan for them to be in the boat. Just think logically with me. And therefore, it was his purpose and his plan that they would be in the storm. Now, one of the great benefits of uh, studying through a book of the Bible all the way through is we know the context. We know what's going on in verse 45 in relation to last week. Jesus had fed the 5,000. Uh, And as we talked about, more likely a a group of 20,000. And and, and if you go and read John's gospel, it says when Jesus did that, they sought to make him king by force. This is, as far as crowd turnout goes, the peak of Jesus' earthly ministry. They are longing. They've got messianic fever. Jesus has fed them. He satisfied their physical needs, and they want to make him king by force. But it's important for us to know this. They wanted to make them king, they wanted to make him king of their own design, their own preferences and their own making. And this is such a dangerous moment that Jesus tells his disciples, "Get in the boat and get away from here." So here's what's going on. Jesus is sending them away at the very moment that a lot of people want to make Jesus the king. Now listen. Of their own self sufficiency. And Jesus is so loving that he tells the disciples, get in that boat and get away from here. Jesus is telling his disciples, this is not my way, this is not my kingdom, I am going to build my kingdom. But this is not the way that it will be done. Could part of what is happening right now be this? That God is revealing to us the insufficiency of our self-sufficiency. God is revealing the inefficiency of our self self sufficiency now what jesus does makes no sense if his purpose is to confirm their self sufficiency or their autonomy but it makes perfect sense if his purpose is to reveal for his disciples their absolute lack of self-sufficiency and the absolute and utter foolishness of thinking we are in control. It's good of the Lord. It's good of the Lord to reveal to us our desperate need of Him. It hasn't taken long, has it? it? Hasn't taken long at all to reveal that we are not as strong as we think we are. And this morning for you, that has, might have caused you great anxiety this week or great frustration. Perhaps for you, you just want this storm to end, you want calmer waters. How did we get here? Jesus has sovereignly purposed for us to be right here, right now. A passage of scripture that I've thought about time and again this week, a few of them actually, James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Sounds a little bit different to our ears now this morning, doesn't it? Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. How many plans have you had to cancel? How many things that you were thinking, oh, uh, next week I'll do this, or next month I'll do this, or come this, and, and hasn't taken long for us to realize that we are not in control. But I want you to know that is, that is not the same as saying all things are out of control. As assuredly as we are not in control, things are under control. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 27. The Lord Jesus Christ, the King, says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. There's tension there, isn't there? For you to, for you to be told uh, you're not in control on one hand, and then on the other, say, do not be anxious. Which of you, Matthew six twenty seven, by being anxious can add a single hour to your life? Uh, now, by being anxious, you might take away from your life, but you're not going to add anything to your life. Friends, it's God. It's God. This is a concept, I think, we have all affirmed but now we get to experience on a deeper level, it's God who holds our lives in his hands. The Apostle Paul, who went through all sorts of storms, said this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Now, church family, almost moment by moment now, you're going to have to decide if you're going to focus on the size of these waves <laughs> or if you're going to focus on the one who walks upon them. Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Now how do we do this? How do you do this to keep your mind stayed on God when the news seems so rattling, when things seem to be happening so quickly? Well, there have been a few things this week that I have found really helpful to have my mind stayed on him and a few things that have been really unhelpful in having my mind stayed on him. There's a few practical things that uh, by God's grace and through the enabling power, Romans fifteen thirteen of the Holy Spirit that I'm, uh, that I'm finding helpful. First of all, my time in the Word of God must be non-negotiable. I'm gonna encourage you again to start your day in His Word. Uh, Church family, you're gonna need a healthy ratio of time in the Word and time watching the news. Now, let me be clear. Let me be clear. You need to stay informed. You do. You need to stay up to date on what's happening. But you also must keep your soul informed about who God is, what his character is like, what his promises are for those who believe. Now, for the disciples in the midst of the storm, the strategy was not, hey guys, let's pretend there's no storm going on. No, they're going to stay at the oars and they're going to keep doing what they know to do. It's just a balance for us. Of trusting and working. And so we're gonna serve. We're gonna love. We're gonna pray. We're gonna be more sacrificial than we've ever been. We're gonna stay at the oars and we're gonna keep at it, but we're also gonna know we're not gonna get to the other side by our own efforts alone because we're not that strong. We're not that sufficient. So, first, my time in the Word. Is going to be non negotiable. Second, with the church family, with the church family, I'm going to keep my heart focused on the fighter verse. Every week, every week, our church family focuses on the Word of God. And you're going to need it to fight. You're going to need to fight against ungodly anxiety or fear or irritability or frustration. You're going to need to do this as a church family. Third, Again and again, I think wisely, obviously wisely, we've been told to keep our hands washed, right? The CDC, wise recommendations. Frequently, I've heard that if you sing happy birthday twice while you wash your hands, you'll have washed them long enough. So I want to amend that. And here's what I've found really helpful this week. Every time that I wash my hands, I say the Lord's Prayer. Not just to recite it, but I say those words to remind my soul these things are true. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us. Oh, God, forgive us. Our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever Amen. And then fourth, for your soul, where is repentance in my life needed right now? Where's repentance in my heart, in my soul, where is it needed right now? Uh, Times of hardship, particularly when they're widespread, can reveal both individual and then cultural and national idols. There are some things that we have trusted in that are untrustworthy. What are they? What am I falsely hoping in? Again, revival is returning to Jesus as our greatest love. So are there things in my life that I've loved more, that I've loved greater, that I've trusted in, that I've hoped in, that I've I've sought to build my foundation of my life on? The Puritan author William uh, Secker said something uh, that I found really helpful for my soul. He said, believers build their tombs where others build their tabernacles. Let's say it again because I think it's so helpful. He said, believers build their tombs to where others build their tabernacles. In other, in other words, those who don't know Jesus, they build their tabernacles of worship in certain places. And we could list any number of them. But a believer who follows Jesus says, those things actually aren't trustworthy. I'm going to die to those things. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we take heart. It's what the Lord said. Take heart. It is I. So again, friends, we don't take heart by pretending there are no waves. We don't take heart by ignoring the waves, but we take heart by not bowing down to the waves, but believing there is one who's greater than the highest waves. So if you fixate on the waves, this is what your life will look like. It's a pretty good picture, isn't it? Just tossed to and fro and up and down, and you will be so anxiously unstable. What's the anchor in this passage? Well, this passage reveals the utter weakness of the disciples and the utter strength of Jesus. First of all, we see that Jesus sends them into the storm. And they're just going to go to Bethsaida. I mean, think about it with me for a moment. If these men could have done anything on their own, it would have been this. we'll get in the boat and go to Bethsaida. They're just going home. Bethsaida, that's where Peter and Andrew and James and John and Philip are from. They have done this dozens of times. Get in a boat. Many of them fishermen, they got this. We can handle this. Get in the boat. Go to the other side. And before they get to the other side, what happens? A storm that is greater than them comes up, and the thing that they thought would be so easy to do, they're insufficient for. How did they get there? Jesus sent them there. So again, friends, by the grace of God, may all untrustworthy idols in our life fall, and may the preeminence of King Jesus rise for his glory. Jesus sent them into the storm. Point number two, Jesus takes them through the storm. I simply want to look at what Jesus does in this passage. He made the disciples get into the boat. Every action he has is a principle for your life. He makes the disciples get in the boat. We've already referred to it, but it's so important for our own day Uh, Jesus is not willing to build his kingdom man's way. Feeding of the 5,000, making king by force, Jesus withdraws. Jesus will always withdraw when we seek to make him the king of our own design. So by his kindness, he gets the disciples out of there to go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. You have a praying king. Mark records in his gospel three times that Jesus prays, not because there were only three times that Jesus prays, but Mark records the three times that Jesus prays, and they're each really pivotal moments in his ministry. The first we've already studied very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus withdrew to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He prays at the very beginning of his public ministry. The second time is right here. Right here, again, this critical moment when he's making it obvious he's not going to be the Messiah they thought he would be. He's going to be so much greater than they imagined. And now he's praying. And then the third time will be right before he goes to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prays in that moment. He's praying. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying for them And he sees them. So I want to take these two things and put them together. It says that Jesus withdrew to the mountain to pray and when an evening came, the boat was out on the sea. He was alone in the land and look at it in the passage, he saw them. He saw that they were making headway painfully. He sees and he prays in the middle of the night. So I want to tell you If you wake up, maybe it's the middle of the night and your mind starts racing and you feel like the waves are winning, I'm going to encourage you to do two things. Number one, to turn that moment into a moment of praying. And then number two, I want you to know this, you're only going to be joining Jesus in what he's already doing. The shepherd that watches over us, he doesn't sleep or slumber and he prays and he sees he looks at us our king's not distant our king's not unseeing our king's not unaware he knows what's going on now this morning and maybe some of you've seen this i've got this little thing here on the uh, pulpit uh juliana made this i don't know how well you can see it but the last time we were together as a, a church family In her Sunday school class, she made this. So I want to tell you Sunday school teachers who have faithfully taught our children, thank you. And so this is a little craft, and Juliana uh, wrote something on the slip of paper, and it says, God knows what you need. It's a little birdhouse, right? Uh, And so this craft is, is reinforcing What Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. He knows what you need. Consider the birds of the air. They don't gather into barns, but your Father provides for them. Jesus prays, Jesus sees them, but it gets better and better. He saw, verse 48, they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. He comes to them. And look at how he does so. He comes to them in a way only he could. He doesn't get in a boat and try to catch up with them, he comes to them in a way only he can. What it says of them, it does not say of him. It doesn't say that he made his way painfully to them and kind of inch by inch, and he's fighting against the wind. He's trying to come. They're making headway painfully and kind of inch by inch. He's kind of catching up, catching up, catching up. No, he, he just walks. And as strong as that wind is, it's not stronger than him. He takes step after step after step, and he comes to them. He is not driven back by the wind. It scares them to death. They're terrified. When he arrives to them, he speaks to them. Sometimes in a moment of great anxiety and frustration, the Lord will speak to you in ways that he didn't. And maybe because of our hearts, I could say it this way, that he couldn't on the shore. That make sense? I think he has our attention today, and I say it this way, I think he has our attention today in a way different than two weeks ago. He's got our attention now, and he can speak in ways right now in the midst of a storm. Oh, and what is it that he says? They're terrified. They think he's a ghost. Immediately, in the moment of their fear, he spoke to them and said take heart it is I do not be afraid I want to tell you that when he says take heart it is I he says it in he says it this way take heart I am that's what he literally says take heart I am and you'll know that name you'll know that name it's the name that is the divine name of the Lord. It's the name that he gave to Moses at the burning bush. And Jesus, as, after he's displayed, that he's a greater Moses. He's greater than the uh, prophet who had led them in the wilderness and provided manna. It's, it's picking up on the feeding of the 5,000 after he provided. It's something greater. It's something greater. It's something greater. I am here. I am is here. It is I. I am. Do not be afraid you see Christ and fear are not going to occupy the same boat you can take heart if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ you can take heart he comes to us he speaks to us and then I love this it says he got into the boat with them he got into the boat with them he just displayed he doesn't really need the boat didn't he just keep on walking in fact it says he 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 was going to pass them by that's an interesting phrase in the in the greek i do think it's actually picking up on what we've talked about he he as as the lord passed by moses by the cleft of the rock it's kind of the same phrase he's going to pass by and they cried out and then he stops and he comes to them he gets into the boat Now you listen to me if you're a follower of the lord jesus christ he is with you he doesn't need a boat he doesn't need us, but we need him. That's why he gets in the boat, to be with us. Now, this social distancing <laughs> has revealed some things to us and how precious it is, it is to get with other, together with other people. But may it be true that in a season of social distancing, we have the nearness of Jesus in ways Perhaps we never have. A diagnosis happens here that is incredibly important. When he got into the boat with them, the wind ceased. They were utterly astounded. Now, look what's happened. Look, look this is important. Verse 52, they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And I think this speaks to us why Jesus got them in the boat and sent them into the storm. He wanted to fix something about their hearts. You might think it would have said, they did not understand about the waves, right? It says they didn't understand about the loaves, but their hearts were What does this mean? What does this mean? It means that they were so incredibly forgetful. What had the loaves been all about? And you think about it, just back up, rewind just for a moment. They they, uh, were invited by Jesus to go to a desolate place. They thought they were going to have a period of rest and rest. Refreshment, but when they get there, crowds are thronging to Jesus, and uh, the disciples said, "We need to send them away from here. There's no, it's late in the day. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. We've just got a few loaves, a few fish." And Jesus said, "You give them something to eat, and 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 they bring the food. This, this is all we've got." And Jesus provides for them. Jesus provides for them, and then they get in a storm, and they forget. Just forget that God is a God who always provides. This isn't the first storm they've been through. This is not the first storm the people of God have been through. Storms can make us forgetful. So here's what I want us to do. It's kind of a group project. If you happen to have a pen or a pencil and a sheet of paper nearby... I want at least one person in the room where you are to, to do this with me. Uh, you grab your pen or your pencil. I meant to bring one with me, but I don't, I don't have one. So you'll help me with this. You do it where you are. Got a pen or a pencil. You ready? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down when you have seen the righteous forsaken. Give you a moment to do that you to sit down. I want you to now uh, write down when you've seen the righteous forsaken. Are we listening together? Church family? I don't have my pen or my paper. I can only come up with one name. That's it. You know who it is? It's Jesus. Jesus my God my God why have you forsaken me we're not the first people to be in a storm we listen in together we're not the first followers of Jesus who have to fight this battle against fear and anxiety we're not the first followers of Jesus who don't know exactly what tomorrow may bring But you must not allow the storm to harden your heart. It could be said of of those disciples, they didn't understand, their hearts were hardened, they didn't remember the loaves. Church family, you have something even greater. The loaves are awesome, but you've got something greater. You have the cross. You have the empty tomb. In the midst of the storm, you will not be forsaken. In that boat... It says they are utterly astounded. They are waking up and realizing Jesus is so much more than he thought they were. He's greater than they thought he was. He's more powerful than they thought he was. He's more patient and kind with them than they knew. May that be so among us. Because no matter how difficult that storm was, let me take you to that third time that Jesus prays. Before the cross, in agony in the garden of Gethsemane, he knew, I'm about to enter a storm. I'm about to enter a storm. God, if it's possible for this cup, this storm to pass me by, may it be so. But Christ went to the cross. We proclaim Christ and him crucified for our sins. He was very much present in that storm. Because Jesus faced that storm for us at Calvary, what our sins deserved, he paid. He's got no sin of his own. He took our sin, he's crucified for us. Here's what's promised for believers not a stormless life. We don't have that promise. But what we do have is the guarantee that we are going to get home. Somewhere much greater than Bethsaida. Somewhere much greater. There's going to be a time, there's going to be a place. You can take heart. Great I Am has come. He's been crucified for you. Don't be afraid. A day will come. A day will come if you trust in the Lord Jesus. Every bit of that wind is going to cease. You're going to get to the other side. So we live and we love and we sacrifice in the storm knowing we are going to get through. We're going to get to the other side. Let me ask you this question before we close. Who was it that sent them into the storm? Who was it that brought them through the storm? Were they better off on the other side of the storm than they were before they went into the storm? I believe the answer to that is a thousand times Yes. Through the storm, they learned a whole lot more about themselves, their own weakness, their own fragility, their own inability to get themselves through the storm. And they certainly knew more about the only one who can be trusted, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, church family, may we be reminded today that Jesus brought them and protected them completely in the storm of God's righteous wrath against sin. Because of the goodness of God, because of the grace of God, that is a storm you and I will not be sent into. Jesus goes there. Jesus shelters us. So again, in conclusion, they should have thought back to the loaves and said in the midst of the storm, surely the Lord will provide. You can look back to the cross and you can look back to the empty tomb and you can say, surely the Lord will provide provide. Jesus is very much present with us in the storm. Church family, we love you. To Take a uh, cue from this passage. We are in this boat together, and so we're going to enter a time of invitation. Uh, I've asked Pastor Blake to sing a song that uh, I listened to a lot. I did Uh, for for a while now, for much of 2020, and um, like the songs we've already sung and some of the passages of scripture that we've already read, it's uh, become more and more dear and precious to me. It's a a song about the strength and kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we're gathered together as a church family, we always say the invitation is a time for us to respond uh, to the scripture that we studied together. And so I'm going to invite you to respond. It may be uh, appropriate, as the Spirit leads you, that you respond by confessing self-sufficiency in your life. It may be a good time to respond and say, I've never looked to the Lord Jesus to be my king, to bear my sin, to be my Lord. You may want to pray there together as a church family or as a family there where you are, or if you're alone, to seek the Lord and to sing along. I'm going to pray along some lines of some things that we have studied together this morning and invite you to pray with me. And then Pastor Blake will come and sing. Father, I do pray in Jesus' name that you give us grace to know we are not self-sufficient. Give us grace to know how desperately we need you. We look to you. We hope in you. Thank you for King Jesus, our praying, seeing, arriving, speaking, and ever-present King and Savior. Help us in these days not to be overcome by the size of the storm, but to keep our mind stayed on you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Jesus said That if I thirst I should come to Him No one else can satisfy I should come to Him Jesus said I am weak, I should come to Him. No one else can be my strength, I should come to Him. For the Lord is good. day and night, we can always run to should come to him no one else can be my sheep